Hello, everyone. Welcome to another insightful episode of Beyond Autistic Burnout. Today, in a special heart-to-heart -heart conversation, we're diving into the world of autism advocacy and personal triumphs with the incredible Martin Slingstead. Our topic today, oh my goodness, chatterbox, my life with autism. Get ready for a half hour, hour plus of inspiration, wisdom, and genuine connection. I'm your host, Carol Jean Whittington, and you're in for a treat today. So let's get started. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout, the talk show designed to empower ADHD autistic professionals like you to thrive in your career, life, and beyond. I'm Carol Jean Whittington, an ADHD autistic business professional who's not just surviving, but thriving after decades in burnout. And I'm thrilled to have you here with us. Each episode, I'll be joined by an inspiring guest as we dive deep into transformative strategies and insights. We'll show you how to break free from burnout, ignite sustainable energy, and embrace your authentic self. Together, we'll navigate career challenges, nurture relationships, and excel in every aspect of life. It's time to fuel your success and embark on a journey of empowerment. Let's take this incredible journey together. Get ready to be an authentic leader and unleash sustainable energy in your life. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout. Let's start thriving. I'm really excited for this conversation today. My friend Martin and I have been planning this for a while. And hey, I'm just going to be totally upfront and honest because, you know, hey, if we don't share the journey, then, you know, what's the point? So I've got what Josh's granny calls the can't help it today. <laughs> and like, seriously, if you're, if you're joining us, if you're in the live audience, you're joining us here from YouTube or LinkedIn, I am a total word nerd and I love little different turns of phrases. And Josh's grandparents grew up in rural Alabama. And so I hear so many funny, great things. Now, I, drew, I grew up in Alabama as well, but, you know, I grew up in a different area. I grew up in, a, in like the second largest city in the state and they grew up in rural Alabama. And so I love it because anytime I've traveled around the country and I've been lots of places around the globe as well, I love to hear these little short turns of phrase and like what they mean. So if you're joining us in the live studio audience, drop in the chat, like what's a phrase that maybe somebody in your family uses or that you've heard before that it's just like, you just love that or it really resonated with you. Well, Josh's granny one day said, I just have the can't help it's today. And I was like, I've never heard that before. What does that mean? And she goes, you know, you just can't help the fact that you just don't want to do anything. And I woke up, I had a great night's sleep and I didn't have a ton on my calendar today and it's a little overcast and it's been a little rainy. It's cooler. And I have the can't help it's today. So I put on my workout clothes. So I'm showing up in workout clothes today. I got my tennis shoes on and I was really excited because I got some hot pink tennis shoes. And y'all, as a person who wears a size 10 and a half, because I'm 5'10", you can't always find the fun colored shoes. So this is a big thing. So I put on my pink shoes, went for a walk with Easter Lily. And I was like, you know, I have the can't help it's today. And normally I would be like in the past, part of that would be, okay, I got to figure out like how to make myself get motivated to do something, right? Have you guys ever done that? Have you ever gotten in a place where you're like, feel like you have to be motivated, like you need to do something, like you can't just be or sit? I uh, I hear all the time, you know, you guys have sent so many messages and, and we've talked in, in you know, group events and stuff over on Mind Your Autistic Brain. And I hear this a lot. It's like somehow we have this belief, we have this idea that we have to be quote unquote productive. We can't just sit. We can't just be. And that's really been part of my burnout restoration journey is being in this place where I don't feel guilty. I don't feel like I should be quote unquote doing something. When I realized when I woke up this morning and I was like, yeah, I got the, I can't help it. It's like Josh's granny says, I was like, you know what? That's totally okay. I talked to my friend, Jen. I called her. I was like, I got like a case, a real bad case of the can't help it today. Like, I don't want to do anything. I'm not tired, but I just don't want to. And she goes, I totally get that. And we had like a really good talk and I went for a walk, listened to a podcast and came back in 
got ready for my conversation with Martin that we're going to kick off here in just a sec. But seriously, drive by the chat. Does this ever happen to you? Like, do you have a fun turn of phrase, first of all? Like, there's something like in your area that's like, can't help it, right? And does this happen to you? And if it does, if you've just got like that day where you just don't really doing anything, what usually comes up for you? Do you feel bad about just hanging out, not doing quote unquote productive stuff? Or is it okay? I'm at a place now that it's okay. And I still have to check myself sometimes. Like this morning, it was almost like, but I got this list of stuff that I really should do and I need to do. And I thought, you know what? Any of that stuff that I try to do today, it's going to be a mess. It's not going to be very good because I'm not really there. I'm not interested. I don't want to. And I've learned pushing myself through, trying to force myself to do these types of things, it usually doesn't work out very well. It usually is sort of like, mm, that was like really crummy. Or I end up making myself do like three times more work than I would have had I not just given myself some space. Oh, hey, Edna. No, I let myself rest now. Oh, okay. So now you do. But did you? Did you have that experience in the past, perhaps? I'm really curious. Guys, I was diving into some of the research from our global burnout quiz. How spicy is your burnout? And Martin and I were talking about this in the background. He was like, I'm starting to recognize some of these things like masking and its correlation to burnout. And I said, mm, absolutely. It most certainly is one of the elements. But here's interesting. We've had in just since September 1st, we've had over 625 respondents take the how spicy is your autistic ADHD burnout. And here's some of the preliminary results right now. And this was interesting because I, I was hypothesizing that we would have a lot of level fours and a lot of level fives, but there's actually more level threes and level fours. And there's a concentrated amount of ghost pepper level fives. But I'm wondering if it's because if you're in a ghost pepper level five, you just don't have the bandwidth to take even a short quiz. So here's what we've got. 39.7% of respondents that's 248 people that are autistic and ADHD said categorized as a habanero level four spicy burnout right now. 211 people, that's 33.8% of respondents categorized at the end of the quiz as a level three cayenne pepper. So just with those two things alone, right now, globally, we're looking at around 88% of all neurotypes experiencing burnout, some level or degree of burnout, either right now or within the last year. And 77% of those folks are saying, hey, right now in the job I'm in, I'm experiencing burnout. So Martin and I are going to kind of dive into some of these things. But if you're wondering or you're thinking, I know I'm in burnout, but I don't really know to what degree, what level, go take my spicy burnout quiz. Find out if you are in one of the big levels, level three or level four. And if you're in any of the other categories, you know, from a poblano, habanero, all the way up to that ghost pepper when you're so hot, you're not, when everything kind of starts to shut down. Um, I've got some resources for you after you take your quiz and get your results so that you can start looking at how to begin restoration. So I just want to throw that out there, kind of talk about it because, you know, we're coming up in the holidays. We've got a lot going on in the world right now, folks. We do. I mean, if you've watched the news for even just a few minutes, there's so much happening. I mean, this morning alone, I sat down with my cup of coffee and scotch and uh, Josh's grandfather, and we were watching the news together, which I don't normally do, but I wanted to kind of see what the weather was because I wanted to go for a walk today. And as I was sitting there and I was watching the news, it is, it's pretty, it's pretty hard. It's hard, I think, on all of us globally, as we see so many people who are struggling. We're seeing a lot of, you know, neighbor, being mean to neighbor, a lot of unkindness. And, you know, it's, Global Kindness Day this week. And I think one of the things that we can all do is start by being kinder to ourselves. So I was kind to myself today and said, hey, you got you got what, what Grady calls the can't help it and just embrace that 
that place today. And I love that that Edna's embracing that place in her life today as well. So, hey, if you're joining us and you're just dropping in, let us know. Hey, how do you experience those days that you just don't want to do something? I'm so excited today because we're joined by a remarkable individual who wears many hats. He's the co-author of Chatterbox, My Life with Autism, A Mother and Son's Perspective. He's a business owner, DJ. He is also a student right now, and he's an advocate for autism awareness. He's not just a speaker, but a leading light in the realm of autism advocacy. I have had the pleasure of seeing my beautiful, wonderful friend present on some pretty big stages and recently was there to cheer him on in the crowd. And I'm telling you, one of the poems that he read was so, so good. And he's going to share some of those with us today. So please help me and join in welcoming my guest today, Martin Slingstead. Hey, Martin. Hey. Thank you for having me on. Oh my gosh. Yes. You and I have been kind of trying to plan this and get it all together for several months now. So this is really exciting. All right. We're going to kick off. And, and this was something that you had said, I really want to talk about this. And this is something that I've started to put together in my own life, but masking, let's talk about masking. First mm. of all, what does masking mean for you? Cause it, it means something a little bit different in how it shows up for each person, but what does it mean for you, Martin? So for me, Masking means to me <clears throat> acting or being like an actor so I could fit in with others, whether that be at school or in the workforce, so I could get the things done when needed. And it definitely is tiring for sure, but I do mask a lot. And I realized that by doing so, it is taking a little toll on me. So I've been trying to figure out ways to mask less and be more of myself in front of others. So this is one of the places that we start with in the unveiling method when we're talking about sort of setting our foundation. Mm -hmm. And it's really starting to observe because for a lot of us, even if, you know, like I know you were early identified, um, I was, I was later identified, but I have found that this is consistently true no matter when we were identified as autistic. And it's this place of like, oh, I'm recognizing that I do mask because it's this gradual thing that happens, right? And it's usually in response to something that's been said to us or how we've perceived something that's occurred in our life in the world. And mm -hmm. it's usually like, why are you doing it like that? That's weird. Mm -hmm. Or could you hurry up? You're taking forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm delayed processing, you know, like a lot of us. Um, so if you start to look back at those places in your life, then we start to, what I say, we start to put the, the dimness, we start to cover up our light because it was quote unquote wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so in a lot of that, then we don't have that room or that space to discover or explore who am I really? What do I really like? So when we're trying to unmask and I say unveil, you know, as because we're not just unmasking, we're, we're actually mm -hmm. sort of like decloaking the professional level of masking, which I call, you know, which is camouflaging. Mm -hmm. So Martin, for you, if you had to like, as you started going through this process, and I love that you're right there, like that's the juicy goodness right now. Mm -hmm. As you're there right now, how are you experiencing sort of that internal checking in with yourself of like, oh, is this how I really want to show up? You know, mm -hmm. like what's my intention for being my authentic self? And how are you identifying your authentic self? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, the reason why is I really want people to see the real me and not just somebody who is acting almost like robotic in a way, but not fully. And when I'm not at school, when I'm not at work, I am more myself, I'm more comfortable and people are starting to see like, Hey, this is a really fun guy. You know, we should start hanging out with him more. And I realize it's a little more difficult in work 
in school because we're focused on so many things, whether it be like homework or anything related to assignments and stuff like that. And so I, since I'm starting to identify what I really am without my mask, I'm starting to practice that by being around others. And pretty soon I'm going to start practicing during school just to be more comfortable and other students could be like, you know what? I know he's quiet, but let's see if you'd like to hang out and do a study session sometime or something like that. Oh yeah. And I, I think what you just described is really important. And so mm -hmm. here, here's a great tip here. And this is what I share a lot with my clients and with, you know, groups when I work with them is start in the small places. It doesn't have to be like all of the spaces of your life, because this is really where you're practicing, where you're testing, because you get to be the scientist because you're also like discovering what works for you. Yep. And I think it's really great that you're also like choosing those areas that feel more comfortable. So number one, pick the place that feels light, that feels easy, that you feel like the less resistance, like that just seems like really big or hard. Don't start mm -hmm. there. Start at the place that's like, I started with in places and spaces where I didn't know anybody because then it was like, then I wasn't worried about the judging, right? Or whatever somebody was going to respond to. So I started at places like the grocery store. I started, <laughs> you know, like those kind of places where I didn't really know anybody. Like when I would go put in my coffee order or something, you know, mm -hmm. I would be more of what I felt comfortable being. Like, I think this is just me and this is how I'm going to show up. But I think what's important too is like you're bringing about the place of like, it's a little harder when you're talking about school and it's a little mm -hmm. harder when you're talking about work because there are these beliefs and these spaces like in those contexts where we have these shoulds and these expectations of like, this is how you behave, right? Like, oh my yeah. gosh, from the time we step foot in preschool till we finish our, our formal quote unquote education, we're being told how we're supposed to sit, how we're supposed to focus. I mean, and let's be honest, folks, that does not always work for us. <laughs> so as I, I love that you're starting in like the easier, softer, more like less big spaces. But like as you move into some of those, like as you're thinking about it, let's just kind of have this conversation. We can play it mm -hmm. out as you're thinking about like maybe school or work what is, what's the first place of resistance that comes up for you? What's the thing that's like, Ooh, that's, mm, I can't do that. Um, probably before, let's just say at school in the classroom before the class starts, because <clears throat> not a whole lot of people know me. I'm the one that's really kind of at the corner of the classroom, quiet, not really talking and just staying by myself. And one thing that I'd like to do is whoever sits next to me be like hey start a small conversation like how did the assignment go or something like small talk like ask them hey what are some of your interests and go from there and then as you start building that rapport with that one student then you could start building more and more and you can start talking to others in the classroom i love that and i can't wait to hear I want to, I want to hear back. So you got to share. We want to be able to like give everybody the update, how that goes when you start. Yeah. I love that. You know, that's one of the things, like, if I think about it for me, you know, in business, one of the things that has made a big difference and one of my team members, uh, Corinne Gilmore, she is our director of accessibility for our education NerdDrive team. And she is so genius. She's so brilliant. And she goes, I really want to create like an accessibility and accommodation profile for each one of our team members so that we have this to share when you guys are going out and you're doing presentations and workshops, because I don't think that we always think about stuff in the moment. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we don't, Corinne, you're so smart. And I think that's a really good way to, is like, not and we don't always have to share it and i don't always share it i kind of sometimes will choose based on the venue or what i'm doing i'll i'll share you know hey this is really important so i'm getting ready to make some really big business trips guys 
And I never, I never in a million years imagined this, but I am flying from coast to coast within like a 10 day period. I am leaving here and I'm flying to California for a big business conference and it's going to be like five days. And Dr. Ali Arena, one of my coaching partners is going to be there in the hotel, hanging out with me. And we're going to be doing some really fun work behind the scenes. And I'll hopefully be able to post some of those things on Instagram for you guys. So check out the, check out the reels and stuff. But I will be there for that conference. And I've got a lot of of my business friends and and networking people that are going to be there. And I know this is going to be really like high level energy, pretty intense, you know, a lot of things early in the morning to late at night. And I've really been thinking about this. And when I called the hotel in advance, and guys, I just want to give a huge shout out to Marriott. I was just so blown away by this. I called the front desk and I said, hey, I've got a room for this conference. I'm autistic. I just wanted to ask a couple of questions and I need to make sure of, you know, how am I getting from the airport to here? I know that you've got transport. And I started thinking about that list that Corinne helped me create for myself around accessibility and accommodations for myself when I'm traveling and when I'm speaking. And I had checked that list before I made the call. So I knew kind of like what was going to be important for me. So I asked, you know, the front desk clerk who was just amazing at Marriott. And I said, how do I navigate this? You know, what do I need to know? And she was amazing and laid all that out for me. But I don't think I would have advocated or thought about that in advance had I not done that check-in where I created that list, right? Do you do stuff like that, Martin? Do you, or have you thought about like, as you're unmasking, like having that accommodation and accessibility list, like what is important for you? You know, I really have not thought about that. And it's kind of like a case of the can't decides because there's so many different things that can go into the list. And for me, it's difficult to narrow things down to the most important, but. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have, we'll have to talk after this. I'm about to shut you up so that we can get you one of those. Cause that is a massive helper. We actually do this with our uh, neurodistinct leadership coaching program. We do that with all of our um, leadership and executives that come in that are neurodistinct because that's one of the things we don't think about that or we don't realize it till we're like in the thick of it. And we're like, holy cow, this is not working for me. Yeah. Right. That's usually Mm -hmm. when it shows up and you're just like, I really need this. And it's like, you might be on the verge of like a shutdown or a meltdown at that point. And you're in a business situation and you're like looking for the closest exit or the bathroom Mm -hmm. to go get a minute because whatever has just happened, you weren't prepared for. Mm -hmm. I've had that happen. Have you had that happen? I feel like I have, but not remembering. I mean, actually, when I was at a work trip in San Diego, um, my boss wanted me to speak at a dinner event. And I'm like, I've started to get really freaked out. And I had to like step away for a bit just to gather my thoughts. And that did help. But Back then, I still wasn't comfortable enough talking in front of others. And by practicing all of that, it really has helped me. But I think stepping away into a more quieter area could potentially help a lot. Even for those who watch, and um, if you ever come face a situation like that, just find a quiet space just to take deep breaths or even listen to soft music, and that could definitely help. Oh, it does. And, and that's kind of, okay. (laughs) I've had, it's like, we've had some really great like unveilers conversations around this. Mm -hmm. And it's when you get somewhere, like I I always think about this because my ex-husband who I absolutely love and adore, he's in the, Mm -hmm. he's in the military, he's retired military. And so Mm -hmm. they were trained to always look at the exits wherever, whatever environment you were in, make sure you locate the exits, make sure you Mm -hmm. find your ingress and egress points. Right. And so I've really kind of taken that to heart in the sense that I look for like the quiet spaces. I look for like, where is the timeout place that I can just go like get away. And I I have a moment to myself, you know, like 
it's sometimes the bathroom is not the place. Sometimes yeah. it's just, you know, finding like that, like for me, I have found like for hotels, they have these really great lobbies. Most people don't use them and they have like these neat little like cozy nooks in them. I locate those <laughs> when I go someplace. You know, if I go to a restaurant or something, I look for like, where's the quiet space in the restaurant? It's usually up by the hostess to the side, which is interesting because right, right. you would think where people were coming in the door would be really busy, but it's it's not. Then there's usually a place to sit. So yeah. that works too. Um, so I love that, you know, you're kind of thinking about that, but it's like, if we can go ahead and kind of have that checklist for ourselves. Mm -hmm. It really does make a difference because it then allows us to be more authentic with our needs. Mm -hmm. And if we're talking about burnout, which as where I would love to talk mm -hmm. about next, mm -hmm. you know, you were just saying, Hey, I've recognized that the masking element is really contributing to my burnout element. Mm -hmm. And I was like, cheering over here. And I'm like, that's the whole, I wrote a book about it. <laughs> so if you haven't read Unleashing Sustainable Energy, folks, go get it. Because that's one of the things the unveiling method speaks about how we begin to unveil, decloak, you know, unmask and, and connect with our, our authentic self where we are recognizing our needs because burnout is essentially boiled down to consistent unmet needs. And it's yeah. not just our 30 basic human needs. It's also our seven areas of our sensory needs. Because by definition, folks, neurodistinct people, we are a sensory folk. And in burnout, 100% of respondents have said, 80 to 100% of respondents, it's a nice little bracket there, uh, say that they have experienced heightened sensory sensitivities. Mm -hmm. And if we're not recognizing what those are for us, and if you're not sure what yours are uh, in, in the wonderful book, the um, Unleashing Sustainable Energy, one of the assessments that I have there is our sensory profile blueprint. So you can find out where your sensory profile is right now, because it, it's going to be different in burnout than it is going to be in Thrive. And when mm -hmm. you can see where it is in burnout and you see what areas are really showing up for you, then you can more strategically create those accommodations and accessibility needs in that list as you're kind of moving through your day, even at home, folks. I mean, just the stuff that we can do in our own home environment is huge, huge, huge. So Martin, what mm -hmm. what's burnout for you? Like share share your burnout experience here with us. Yeah, um, definitely exhaustion. <clears throat> and also I've started to notice a second element, which when it comes to work or school, I tend to forget things until somebody reminds me, it's like, oh, you know, I totally forgot about that. I, you know, I've been so exhausted that I tend to forget. And I'm starting to kind of connect the dots more. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that exhaustion and forgetting things is a sign of burnout. Oh, yeah. So like if we're going down the top 20 internal warning signs, <laughs> two that come up, one is brain fog mm -hmm. and one is focus. So, and they're different and, and sometimes mm -hmm. they get confused. And so when you were talking about, you know, forgetting things, it's really important that, that we know and understand mm -hmm. in burnout, one of the areas that's impacted is our sleep. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, that a lot of people don't recognize is that you may be having sleep arousals or sleep disturbances. Mm -hmm. So a disturbance is like when you're you wake up and then you're like alert mm -hmm. and you're cognizant and you're awake for a certain period of time. And then you go back to sleep. So mm -hmm. a sleep arousal is like when you're lightly disturbed, but you go right back to sleep. Mm -hmm. And those, both of those can increase when mm -hmm. you're in burnout and that impacts your, your long-term memory storage. Cause that happens mm -hmm. during sleep and that happens during, you know, deep sleep and one of the later phases of sleep. And one of the things that also impacts your working memory. Mm -hmm. So what you're talking about is forgetting things. It's like, oh, we're, we're talking about how I recall information, both mm -hmm. working memory, short-term and long-term are all impacted during burnout. And mm -hmm. so the longer this has been going on, the more you start to see this showing up. And that's why knowing what level of burnout you're experiencing is really important because mm -hmm. this shows up in 
how easily can you focus? So mm -hmm. you may be unable to go into like a hyper-focus or a flow state pretty easily and would stay there for a couple hours and, you know, shout out to all my folks that do that and forget to go to the bathroom or drink water or eat. I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> but from that, you may start to notice, oh, hey, I actually, I'm not getting into that focus mode as easily. Mm -hmm. Or when I get in that focus mode, it's shorter than it mm -hmm. was before. So that's one area that you can start to notice. And the other is brain fog. So mm -hmm. it's like, it, it's like you can have all of the things and you can have like, I would like my example, because this has happened to me, I would look at a chair. I would know that it's a chair like in me. I know that's a chair, but I mm -hmm. cannot come up with the word to say the chair. And I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, the thing that you sit on and I would describe it six ways to Sunday, but I couldn't say the word chair because it just wasn't coming. It was in this foggy kind of brain. Right. And the other thing, like what you're talking about is like, I would forget things. So I'm also ADHD and, you know, time blindness and executive dysfunction. It's just kind of part of the norm. But when I was in burnout, the executive dysfunction and the memory things were really so much worse. And mm -hmm. what happens a lot of times is this can be like the gradual burn, the slow burn, like it, it mm -hmm. happens slowly and builds up over several months for a lot mm -hmm. of us. That's kind of how it happens. And so it, there's this thing that I call like, it, it's in that slow build. We have something that's called like hedonic adaptations. Like mm -hmm. once you've experienced something long enough or it's been really gradual. So you haven't noticed this distinct change. And it's like, all of a sudden you're standing there and you're like, what the heck has happened? Yeah. Like I used to be able to remember all this stuff, but it's when other people start noticing it, that we're probably in more like a three or a four. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, are you just noticing forgetting things or other people like reminding you because they're noticing you're forgetting <clears throat> things? Um, I, it's mostly me that notices. It's just me. And most of the time I keep that, hidden because I try to do things on my own without having people remind me because I feel like maybe I'm not doing a good enough job. Oh, and, but so is like that if they remind it? me, yeah. So like when they start reminding me like, oh yeah, you know, I totally forgot it's been a long day or something like that. And, but I've been taking internal notes about stuff like that. Okay. Well, that's good. So when you go take the quiz, this is going to be helpful because that's one of the questions that I ask. <laughs> yeah. Because those, those are, there's some important foundational elements, you know, and one of, that's one of them, you mm -hmm. know, how is your memory being impacted? Um, mm -hmm. So when you say, you know, just exhaustion, being really tired, how's that showing up for you, Martin? Like, is um, it, is it that you, do you have a hard time waking up? Do you have a hard time going to sleep and staying asleep? How, how's that showing up in those areas? Definitely going to sleep. Sometimes it takes until like three or four o'clock in the morning until I'm able to go to sleep. And I'm up by like sometimes six or 7 a.m. Right. You're like, yeah. dang, I just went to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, Okay when you lay down, like, are you tired when you go to lay down? And then all of a sudden it's like busy brain. Yeah. Sometimes. And other times it's like where I am very tired and I'm not able to sleep. Okay. So, so when you say you're not able to sleep, what is it that's usually going on? It's just like, you can't, you're tired, but you can't seem to like quiet your brain or you're just tired. Yeah. And you can't seem to like slip into that place. Both. And Both. I've noticed where one time I'd get super tired, but there's so much on my mind where I'm not able to like really rest my eyes at all. And I'm just like staring at the ceiling, basically just like trying to calm the brain down. Right. So here's one of the things that one of the suggestions that I share um, with our unveilers when, when we're talking about that particular element, and it is a lot of times we're trying to hold so much information in our brain. Mm -hmm. We're trying to remember everything that we're supposed to be doing, or we have a lot of things on our to-do list, but it's our mental to-do list. 
Mm-hmm. And there's act, there's some really great research into this. So here's the, here's a tip or and a trick to try mm-hmm. out for Martin. And here's one for you, you guys who are listening or joining us in the studio audience. Take a journal, take a mm-hmm. piece of paper and just mind dump, just mm-hmm. brain dump it onto that sheet of paper. Here's it's really important though. Cause don't go more than like 20 minutes. Yeah right? And it's sometimes easy if you get kind of pulled into it. But I started doing that in the beginning as sort of a place because I have like super busy mind and I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, I don't want to forget this. And I'm thinking about like all the stuff I got to do tomorrow. And did I get all this stuff done today? Right. Mm -hmm. So I would just sit down and just part of my routine in the evening started to be, what are three things that I'm really grateful for today for starters? Mm -hmm. And that's how I would usually like, that's how I would end it. So that was part of it because that actually shifts your heart and your focus. And I use that at the end, but Mm -hmm. I would be like, okay, what are the things that are important to me right now? What do I want to try and that I'm, where am I worried? I might forget Mm -hmm. So put that on the paper. Number one, Mm -hmm. number two is what is the thing that I would need to do or want to do first thing in the morning and just like write those down. Mm -hmm. And then the next one was, is there anything from today that I need to double check that maybe I, I missed? And then I put mm-hmm. that on the list for tomorrow and I do that. Right. And then the, not, the last thing that I do is what are the three things that I'm thankful or grateful for that happened mm-hmm. today? Like from small to, you know, it doesn't have to be like these big grandiose things. Can we get like some days it was like, I had this really amazing first sip of coffee this morning. I was right. really grateful for that. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, because what happens like from the science side of things is this, your brain is running really fast and going through all of those things because it doesn't have a place to anchor it right. and it's afraid it's going to forget. And so it's trying to remember and remind you. Mm-hmm. But when you take that out of your head and you put it on paper, your brain goes, oh, wow, it's down. It's concrete. I don't have to worry about this now. Yeah. And it lets it go. But here's the thing. You got to do this consistently because your brain is not going to trust you the first time you do it. (laughs) It's going to take building some trust that your brain's going to go, oh, I'm actually going to give myself a place to put this stuff. And I'm Mm going to do it so I don't have to keep doing this every night because your brain gets in a habit of going, I got to remember all the stuff. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. And I feel what you're thinking. Um, I will definitely try it out. <clears throat> I will definitely give it a shot and cause I definitely need some sleep <laughs> for sure. And it's kind of reminding me, I don't know if this is kind of related to burnout, but, and this could go for any, it kind of brought me back to school and everything. And it's like, for students who go to school every day, they start, you know, masking. They have to keep everything inside as much as they can and calm. But the problem with that is when they're back at home, the parents or caregivers are the ones that put up with it. So it's like when Mentos and Diet Coke meet, you know, you get that little combustible little explosion. But oh my it's gosh, like, that's so much fun. Yes. Yeah. So to, it, thinking about burnout and school reminds me of that. And there That's a really good analogy. Uh, and there, I feel like there may have been a couple times in high school where it got to that point because it's like a full day of exams, like all six periods and this having to keep that stress compressed inside and getting home. And it's like, all hell breaks loose almost and it's like yeah but I think I feel like for those who have all of that anxiety compressed just know that when you get home it is totally okay if that happens and a really great tip that I have, because I still go through this in college, but 
one thing that helps me is coloring mandalas. Like before I do homework or school or any or um, assignments, because those mandalas are, have like intricate designs, my brain is able to focus on those. And as I'm coloring it, my brain starts to relax and I start to get more focus on doing the homework assignments. And also yeah. have like music in the background or like music in my headphones that totally helps me. Oh my gosh. So you just described two forms of rest that I teach. So I teach seven forms of rest other than sleep because sleep's great, but sometimes in burnout, we're not getting good quality sleep. And sometimes that's sort of the last thing to really click in, in restoration. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we have to look at where are the other places that we can bring rest and restoration, like calm or, or active, you know, that good use stress type energy in. Mm -hmm. And it's really important what you just described with the mandala that's appreciative rest. Mm -hmm. So how do we appreciate beauty? How do we get into that, that place where we're allowing space, right? Mm -hmm. And you're also talking about music. So music is part of appreciative rest because here's something really interesting, folks. So let me know if, if you've noticed this about yourself, because we talk about this all the time over in our unveilers. You can listen to your favorite song as loud as you please in your headset. You can rock out. You can jam out in your car, but you can hear a certain sound and it's really not even that loud. Maybe you're the only person that hears it and it drives you insane. <laughs> it feels like it is the loudest thing in the whole wide world. And you're just like, holy cow, shut that thing off. <laughs> and it's like the humming light or the bubbling fish tank or something like that. Right. Yep. Yep. And, and that's one of the things, but when we're talking about appreciative rest, music is one of those things because for us, one of the beautiful things, and I think this is like when we get our favorite song, we've got it on repeat, like I've got those. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of it has to do with sound resonance, the vibration of the sound, because it's very soothing and calming to our nervous system. Yeah. So what you're talking about is you're looking at after I've been in school all day long and I've had these levels of distress, that's that negative stress. And my body has been feeling it and I've been holding everything in. And guys, this applies to work too. Because I can't tell you how many times when I worked at the hospital or I was, you know, in the legal field and I was going to the court, all that kind of stuff. And I'm holding everything in because it is like, I'm, it is all stressing me in some way, whether conscious or unconscious. And it feels like you're holding yourself together and you mm -hmm. get home and it's either one of two things happen. For me, I would usually go into shutdown. For other folks, it's like you get really agitated and you just erupt and blow up, right? And sometimes you get kind of mean and nasty with the folks that you love, but they're getting on your last nerve because you have no last nerve left by the time you make it home, right? Mm -hmm. And it's when you got those places where you've got that type of rest and you know that you need that, but it's like, how do we start to add those things in to those places so that we can so that we can find more calm. So maybe it's, I bring a mandala and I sit out at lunch or I take my 30 minutes and I'm doing that with my headphones on and I'm listening to that song that really soothes me. Yeah. Like how do we take that from the stuff that we do when we wait till we get home? How do we take that into the place that maybe is the reason that we need it when we get home? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So appreciative rest in those two ways are really amazing. I love that. Such a great tip. Oh my gosh. So I do want to talk about mm. your book. Yeah. You and your mom wrote together. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so I have invited Martin's mom to come so we can have a conversation together. Like all three of us, she is a busy woman. So hopefully we'll make this happen one of these days, but Martin, yeah. I want to like, let's <clears throat> Because writing a book is a big deal because I have done it and publishing it and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Like it is huge. So congratulations on having that done in your life. That's major, major, major. Thank you. So how did, how, what sparked this idea for you and your mom, just not for you to write a book, but you and your mom together to mm -hmm. write this book? Well, I'd have to go back to junior year in high school to remember that we were with my cousin. All right, grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're just like sitting at a restaurant and, you know, back then, and I believe it was 2007, is when we decided, you know what, there really isn't a book that has both a mother's perspective and a son's perspective. And the, and the interesting thing was, it did take about seven or eight years to write because there was multiple years of 
writer's block, multiple years of like, maybe nobody would care about reading an autistic person's book, but, you know, as the rate went on, the autism rate, and more people really not understanding what it is, me and my mom just said, you know what, now's the time to release the book. And the great thing about it was, we didn't read anybody. We didn't read each other's notes until the book was published. So we You're didn't kidding know, me. Oh my gosh. So we didn't know what we wrote until, until it was published. Oh my gosh. And just recently. I, I did not yeah. know that. Yeah. I thought you guys had like collaborated the whole way with this. Holy cow. That really makes it even like, wow. Yeah. And just recently it was picked up by um, Archway Publishing <clears throat> and talk about a project. There's definitely a lot of stressful times writing it where it's like, I don't really want to write about it, but maybe if I do so, other people will relate to that. And, yeah. and by sharing my story, I feel it could inspire other autistic people to share theirs as well. Yeah. So Martin, when you were putting together your notes and your ideas for this book for Chatterbox, mm -hmm. what was like the one hope in your heart, like for you from your sharing your story? And I know that you do this on so many stages across the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're a global guy. I mean, Dubai, <laughs> all these amazing places. Mm -hmm. what is your hope in your heart? Like when you share your story, what is the thing that you want somebody to take away from what you share? Um, that autism, not only more understood, but that autistic people can share their story, whether that be through song or reading a book or, I mean, sorry, writing a book or anything. Cause it, it's like, everyone has their own unique way of really sharing what they love. And I remember after one of my first speaking engagements at UC Berkeley, I had someone come up to me and say, you know, I didn't tell this to anyone in the group, but I'm autistic myself. And because you shared your story, I'm going to let the other people in the group know, you know what, I'm autistic because I am more comfortable now that I've heard other people share theirs. And I had a parent come up to me. I forget when it was, I believe it was last year, but they said, because of you, I didn't give up. And now I'm able to understand my child better. Oh man, that's one of the things that as an advocate and as a speaker, that is so huge. And I think that's one of the things that, that we do. And Kelly's got a great question out in the chat box. So I'm going to, Kelly, I'm coming to your question because <laughs> it's so good. And it really ties in where we are right here, mm -hmm. but it's like, I had to really figure out for me, what does it mm -hmm. mean for me to be autistic? What does it mean for me and to me? in my life as, you know, I was 39 and 10 months, I was almost 40. I was a mom mm -hmm. and, you know, I had all, all kinds of things in my life. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have to figure out what this means for me. Because if I was quote unquote, you know, as a neuropsychologist said, you know, you know, you were missed. And I'm like, missed? Mm -hmm. nobody missed me. I'm right here. Yeah. <laughs> right. And he's like, you need to go back and see me. But mm -hmm. at that point I was like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. And if I was missed and I know how hard it was for me, I don't want my, my child to struggle and have the same challenges. So I needed to figure that out. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden, at, once I got him in a good place, I was like, okay, what does this mean for me? Mm -hmm. And it was through that journey. And it was really getting to my authentic self and Kelly, this such a great question. It really is how to identify your authentic self. Like how do we identify who we are authentically? Well, first of all, there's layers. It's not like you're going to sit down and you can do a workbook or you're going to do an assessment. You can do a personality test. And all of a sudden, you know, everything about you. 
Mm-hmm. I wish it worked that way. That'd be really great. That'd be super simple, easy, and it would make life easier. But mm-hmm. that would also make life a whole lot less fun mm-hmm. because there is so much play in the discovery of who we are. Mm-hmm. And it's an ever-changing and evolving thing. But I think for me, it was stepping into, and I think I hear Martin saying this because I really want to like talk about some of these triumph moments mm-hmm. too, because they play into when we have gotten really grounded and anchored or we started a foundation maybe the other parts are still coming in the layers but it's like i have this inkling of who i am and that's one of the places where i start to work with so many people in the unveiling method and foundations and it's it's this integrity gap and guys i'm not talking about a lack of your personal integrity i'm talking about the internal knowing of like this is me this is who i am this is who i created to be this is like how I show up and experience the world versus how we're actually showing up in the world, which kind of ties back into where we started our conversation Mm -hmm. around masking and camouflaging, right? And Mm -hmm. when the bigger the gap is between the two, Mm -hmm. the more of an energy drain we experience. And it's like, when we think about how we held everything together as we move through school, as we move through work, as we move through just our daily interactions with other people when we're holding ourselves together and not allowing our true feelings and thoughts to be expressed we're really not just physically hurting ourselves through the energy drain that 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 creates but Mm -hmm. we're also emotionally and and on a like hey i go for the woo here okay Mm -hmm. also on a spiritual level we're hurting ourselves because we aren't stepping into who we are created to be. We're hiding mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And to be an advocate, I had to start that journey of not hiding it mm-hmm. and to be able to step out. And, and it's not like you do it all of a sudden, like I'm here folks, all of me, <laughs> everything. It's all hanging out. Like, no, that is yeah. not how it works for most people. And I don't know a whole lot of people that do that. There are some and Hey, great. I'm still working up to that, you know, cause this is a slow mm-hmm. process. Cause there's like trust and survival stuff that comes in and trauma and all the things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But as we're going through this part of the advocacy work and what I discovered more about myself, <clears> like, Oh, actually for me, I have an auditory processing delay. I didn't know that until a few years ago. So -hmm. for me, I need closed captions in the afternoons when my ears can know and my brain can no longer process what I'm hearing as easily. Mm -hmm. And so it's like before the story that I would tell myself is like, I suck at listening. I'm really not that smart. You better catch me in the morning or I get dumb by the end of Mm -hmm. the day. And that Mm -hmm. was the story I was believing and telling myself, but it wasn't accurate. Right. Right. So it's like, that's mm-hmm. not authentic. What's authentic is the fact that, heck yeah, I'm great in the morning. I have more bandwidth and more creative. However, by the afternoon, my brain is, is more taxed and I have a harder time processing the information. But if I find ways to bring in things that support me when my ears and brains are, brain are a little tired, like mm-hmm. closed captions, or I don't book appointments late in the day if I haven't had time to like have some quiet and recharge. Mm. But those are things that like I didn't get to those authentic places. And I certainly didn't get to a place of advocating for that until I started to identify what those needs were. So our authentic self truly comes from identifying that our authentic self comes from beginning the process of identifying what are my needs? What do those needs look like? And what are Mm -hmm. the sensory needs that I have with that? And then how do I start to get those needs met? Because then I'm able to show up and say, you know, hey, I would love to be here. I'd love to join that meeting. But please make sure you have closed captions or Mm -hmm. it's not going to be effective for me. I'm not going to be as effective to show up for you. Right, right. And, you know, as we're talking about this, it kind of reminds me of something that I heard. And it's like, for those of us who help others before we help ourselves, it's like, we're almost like an anchor and it's, and it's almost to the point where it may be difficult, like helping get ourselves back up while we're also being there for others, you know? And it's like, 
it kind of, as we're talking about this, it kind of reminded me of that kind of like, for some people it could, they don't know that they're like an acre while helping others before they help themselves. And, you know, that's one of the things we talk about, too, in burnout restoration is like when we start mm -hmm. to notice sometimes like uh, for me, oh, my gosh, I'm a giver. That's one of my mm -hmm. love languages. I love to live on folks. I like to, you know, send gifts and and do the stuff. And I will do for people, right, mm -hmm. acts of kindness and help you anytime. But I was not willing to turn that inward. I no. wasn't willing to receive or do for myself because my life and the way that I had built up a belief system around who I was, which wasn't the authentic me, but like really what people misunderstood about me, not asking those clarifying questions, not getting compassionately curious. Mm -hmm. They've said things and I would fill in the blank and go, oh, well, I'm not good at that or mm -hmm. I'm not worthy of that. I'm mm -hmm. not, I haven't earned that. And I right. think that's a really big part of this conversation and journey as we talk about like masking and we talk about how we experience burnout. Yep. But I want to wrap up today as we talk mm -hmm. about like not only the <clears throat> triumph of where we can get when we start to align with our authentic self, when we start to recognize these needs, we start to say, hey, I, I kind of see where masking's showing up and I'm going to intentionally start to look at how do I peel back some of those layers to bring my authentic self to this. Right. And that starts right. with like knowing your personal brand as my friend Tracy is <laughs> always like so beautiful at talking about, like know your personal brand, like just who you are, but we can't yeah. get to that if we don't feel safe to explore that for yeah. us. There's, there's a whole level of in one of the top number one unmet needs guys in my global research project over the last three years into burnout for ADHD and autistic professionals, the number one unmet need is emotional safety. And it's not external. It's not the emotional safety with other people. It's the internal emotional safety. Like we feel okay and safe to have our own feelings within ourselves yeah. to even acknowledge that we have them for ourselves. And that's a really big thing. And I love that that Martin, you have had these incredible tryouts in your life as you've mm -hmm. stepped into this advocacy role, because that's allowed you to start digging into who am I as an autistic yep. person and what does that look like and how do I want to show up in the world? So yep. what are some of those tryouts? Because I know you got a pretty amazing <laughs> list right now that you wanted to share. Yeah. And I'm just like cheering so much. So bring yeah. it on, my friend. Let's Thank cheer you. you. So... I will start real quick by how I started to accept my true self and really get to where I am today. And, you know, bullying from pre-K all the way through community college, you know, it was almost on a daily basis. So I used that as fuel to push me to where I am today. And that helped me be a better advocate for the community. And I know we we are running a little short in time. So the biggest triumph that I was able to do um, about a few months ago before Autism Month, I sent a letter to the mayor here in the city. And I told him, you know, April is Autism Awareness and Acceptance Month, but we're not getting recognition. I mean, when you think about it, when you're aware, that's all. But when you become more accepting, not only are you aware, but you take the necessary steps to make the world more accommodating for us. And so <clears throat> after I sent the letter, he sent me, he sent me this, and it's a proclamation declaring that the city of San Jose will recognize April as Autism Awareness and Acceptance Month starting next April. Martin, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. That's huge. Yeah. Good for you. Thank you. That took a lot of courage. Yeah. That took a lot of bravery to write that letter and send it. That's scary. Yeah. So that's a response. Yeah. It must have been one heck of a letter, man. 
when I saw that and you said, yeah, your proclamation's ready to be picked up, I'm like, what? I was so confused at first. And then when I went over there, it's like, like from the council members to the city clerk and the mayor, and they want to also start working with me during April and do different awareness events to help bring more awareness to the autism community. Oh, that's amazing. Congratulations on that. Thank that you. is absolutely fantastic. And you know, that's one of the things that April, I was, it was so cringy and there were so many things out there that I was just yeah. not loving. And that was the whole reason I started the shine a light campaign for all of right. our autistic advocates in April so that it's our voices and speaking for ourselves and mm -hmm. representing ourselves in all the different varieties from art right. to written word to, to videos. And, and, you know, like you mentioned earlier, we all express ourselves in different ways. We all have different yep. preferences for how we express and share our, our opinions, our thoughts, our ideas, our emotions, and to have space to share in multiple ways is really important. So, oh my gosh, so, so excited for you. And Thank I know you. you have something really fantastic. And when I saw you do this huge presentation a couple of months ago, I was in the mm -hmm. audience cheering you on and you read mm -hmm. this great poem, but you've got something really special to share with us today. So I'm taking it away, Mark. Yeah. So for those who have not seen me speak yet, um, what I do is near the end of my discussions, I share different poems and quotes to help others. And for this one today, I decided to focus on anxiety because for those who deal with anxiety, I have these quotes to really help you to understand that, you know, everything will be okay. And so I know we are where I kind of cut down the different, more important quotes to share. So for these ones, I don't remember who said them, so I do apologize about that. But this first one is, we fall, we break, we fail, but then we rise, we heal, and we overcome. And um, this next one definitely resonates with me huge. And it's an arrow can only be shot by pulling it back. When life is dragging you back with difficulties, it means it's going to launch you into something great. So just focus and keep aiming. Oh, um, I'm with you. I really like that yeah. one too. I do have a couple more. And I know we got to get going, but um, these ones definitely resonate with me. So anxiety is going to not ask you to do it once. It's going to, you're going to get knocked down again, again, and again. And every time that mud is thicker, you're coming out of, and that voice is telling you, you can't, gets louder. Because it doesn't want you to get up to here, beyond its reach, beyond its grasp, and beyond its control. And so the best thing to do is train this, while also listening to this. And I know it's not Bring your easy. mind and listen yep. to your heart. Yep. And this last one I have for you is this one's from Tyler Perry. Some people come into your life like boosters for a rocket. When the rocket goes off into space, the boosters fall off when they reach a certain altitude. And just like that rocket, as you reach certain altitudes in your life, not everyone will be able to hold on. So don't feel discouraged when you start to notice they fall off. It doesn't make them bad boosters. They just couldn't reach where you're going. And as you continue to grow and to blossom, some people will be seasonal. And they will not be able to reach the altitudes you're reaching. And that is the cycle of growing and letting go. Oh, wow. Those are beautiful. Yeah. And I thank you so much for sharing those with us. Guys, yeah. gratitude flows as we come to the end of another incredible episode of Beyond Autistic Burnout. A huge thank you to our guest, Martin Slingstad, today for thank being you. a part of this empowering journey. I'm Carol Jane Whittington, and I'm inspired by your commitment to growth and 
your personal restoration. Keep applying these insights to your life. And remember, we're here every step of the way together. Share this podcast with others who could use a boost of empowerment and let's create a ripple effect of positive change throughout our community. Until next time, take care, stay energized and keep thriving. And if you're not sure where to begin your burnout restoration journey, start by taking the burnout restoration spicy pepper quiz so that you can find out if you're a level one poblano pepper all the way up to a level five ghost pepper. Because when you know where you are, you know where you're going. And we're going to begin restoration together. You don't have to do it alone. Take care, guys. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.